in a great series at the moment, The Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God. How good is this series? I'm learning so much. If you haven't been able to, um, maybe you're, you're new here today or maybe you've missed a few in the series, I really recommend that you go and check the rest of them out. They kind of all link to each other and, and one provides framework for the next. And so if you have got some to catch up on, just just do it. Just do it. Don't, don't miss it. This is a great series. Um, and I'm going to give you like a 30-second nutshell just to try and give you the framework for tonight. And so that is that it started with Joel's amazing message, if you were here, about the blessed, the Beatitudes, that anybody can come into the kingdom of God, anybody, no matter where you're at in life, you can come as you are and you will be blessed. And then he goes on to say that you can come as you are, but you cannot come how you like. And so the way to the kingdom is through repentance. So that's changing the way you're thinking, changing the posture of your heart, and getting baptized. So that's what Jesus very clearly teaches us about. And so we're going to have baptism here tonight, which is amazing. And yeah, I know. We can clap that too, because we love to clap. Yeah. And we're so excited for those that are taking this step tonight in that area. But, you know, we repent, we change the way we think, and then we go and have a little swim, as Joel calls it. And, um, and what that is, is a, is a really, it's an act of obedience. It's saying, yes, God, I surrender my life to you. I'm going to have that little swim publicly to declare you as my Lord and Savior. But it's so great that when, when we do that and when we, we step into that obedience, what Jesus does is he does something very powerful in our lives. And we start to transform internally. And so I just, I'm so excited for all those getting baptized tonight and what God's going to do in your lives. It's really cool. And then what we, we go on from there and we're like, okay, so you can come as you are, but you can't come how you like. But when you do come into the kingdom of God, you can't stay as you are. So you can come as you are, but you can't stay as you are. And that's what I'm speaking about tonight. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that your word brings us life. And tonight we are going to receive life and faith in Jesus' name. And so, God, I pray that by your spirit, every single word that needs to be delivered into your children's hearts tonight, Lord God, would be spoken in Jesus' name. Would you have your way in me, I pray, and in all of our lives, that we would, we would have internal transformation happen tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. And so the kingdom has a way of life. And we're in Matthew chapter 5, if you've been following. And if you've got your Bibles, why don't you get them out? If you don't, we will put it up on the screen for you. Um, but Jesus, he doesn't come to get rid of how um, he calls us to live, as is, as is seen throughout Scripture. But instead, he comes to empower us to do this. And we can see what he's talking about in Matthew 5, verse 17. Let's read together. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, 
you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That is a hefty passage, guys. And if we understand a little bit about the law that this is referring to, we would start to realize just how weighty this is. You see, this is really Scripture's way of saying all of Scripture's. So that is all the law that God has ever spoken about from the beginning of time. And a lot of what we can hear in that law is what we call the Mosaic law. And that is the law that is found between Exodus and Deuteronomy. It is a law that is delivered by Moses through Jesus. Sorry, by Jesus through Moses. (laughs) And it's the Mosaic law. And if you were to go and read some of this Mosaic law, some of it would sound very odd to you. And that is because when this law was delivered, it was delivered to a nation living as one. And right now, we live more in a scattered kind of a scene. So as Christians, we're living in the world, but not of the world. But back here, Jesus was really speaking to a nation as a whole. And so there were some codes that theologians call it, civil codes and ceremonial codes, that we can find in the scripture that don't feel very relevant today. And I wanted to say that because if I send you to the scriptures to go and read about this code, you could get quite freaked out. So I just wanted to put that out there. It's really important. And so there's some things that in Acts, the Jewish, Jewish council, who were the leaders of the church at the time, they saw this law and they were like, what do we do with this law? How do we live by this law? What, is, what does this even mean for us? And so what they did is they started to see that Jesus was, was putting a thread of what we call a moral law throughout scriptures. And it is that is the moral law is the one that we're talking about tonight, the moral law. And we can find that law in the things like the Ten Commandments. But really, probably only nine of those commandments pull through as the Mosaic law law that we are referring to tonight. Because the Sabbath, which is the fourth commandment, is a ceremonial law. And it's really important to understand that. However, because there's lots of ceremonial laws, you see, and some don't really apply. They're not really relevant to us today. However, I do want to say this law, this ceremonial law, Jesus teaches about often throughout Scripture. It's about the principle of godly rest. When you take time out regularly to spend with Jesus and you focus your attentions in on him. And so that is what the principle that Jesus endorses in Isaiah, in Romans, in Colossians, if you want to go and read about it. Jesus endorses this godly kind of rest. But really we want to take these nine other commandments that say things like, thou shall not murder those kinds of things, and we live by them today. Now, would you agree with me that these commandments, if the whole world lived by them, the world would be a better place? Do you agree? 
That is because Jesus intended the law for good. It was for our good and for the good of the people around us. He didn't bring this law to oppress us. He brought this law so that we would be able to know what it is to live lives that are of God. They're good for us, not to oppress us. They're laws that would allow us to be set apart. They're laws that allow us to represent Jesus as he is. See, when we go back and we see in the Gospels, when Jesus arrives and when he starts ministering, like he has crowds following him. And there is no microphones. There is no Instagram letting people know where he's going to be. Yet he has thousands of people following him. Like it's crazy. And that is because Jesus is life. Jesus is hope. Jesus is the way. So when we represent him by living in the way that he calls us to, we are set set apart, but we become a representative of that life and that hope and that joy that others can find in Jesus. And so that is why living according to these laws is really important. It's big, but it's really important. Three things that I want you to take out of this passage. And if you've got notebooks, why don't you get them out? If you've got your phones, pull out that note app and write these things down. The first thing is that Jesus calls us higher. Verse 17, he says, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. You can imagine in this passage that we find ourselves in the Bible where Jesus is on the mount speaking to crowds of people. And the crowds of people it says that he's speaking to are those that are called least. So Jesus is speaking to these people that his followers are like, they don't seem anything like what I would call a Christian. And so Jesus is speaking to these people. Now his followers are like, what are you doing saying you can come as you are? And they're starting to get a little bit worried about what Jesus is sharing here. You can come as you are. What are you talking about? So Jesus is saying, don't worry. I haven't come to abolish all these things. I've come to accomplish them. He never rejects the law and what the prophets have spoken. He confirms them. And if that's not enough, he doesn't just confirm them. He transcends them. He calls us to hire You see, God's intended way for us to live is not less than those laws. It's not even just the laws. It's actually a standard higher than the laws. If we go on and read about it some more in this passage, we will see that frequently Jesus is saying, it is not enough just to not murder. Anyone can accomplish that in their lifetime, right? Most people do. So that's not enough. Jesus then goes on to say, hey, I also want you to make sure that you don't have anger and hostility towards another person. It's not just okay not to murder. I'm raising the bar because I'm going after your heart. 
Because you see, what matters to Jesus is your heart. And that is the, the second point I want you to write down. Jesus wants your heart. Kingdom living is a way of life that starts by an internal transformation. It starts in your heart. He is after your heart. See, he doesn't want you to just be like, okay, Jesus, I want you in my life. I ask you in my life. And then go and try and make it all good and polish it up and make it all look great. That's not what he's wanting. Besides, how on earth will you ever get get there in your own strength, right? What he's saying is, allow me to pour my spirit into you, into your heart. And it is from there that you will know how to live in this godly way. You know, I was thinking about a time in my life where I really had to surrender my will to Jesus. And this was when um, we received information that I had a tumor, a very healthy looking tumor growing in my neck. And this was six months after we lost our pastor to breast cancer. We had prayed as a church for her, and she'd passed away. So to find out that I had this tumor was really heavy hitting, and I didn't know where to place it. How do I believe in faith for God's healing when I'd just seen this other situation? What do I even do with that? And I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, would have questions like that today. Why that? I don't understand. How can I believe for this if this happened? It's hard to get your head around. And I was crying out to Jesus. And I, I, I have to admit, I didn't handle the, the beginning very well because I didn't know what to do with this information. And as I was crying out to Jesus, he spoke so clearly to me. He said, Renee, you don't have to try and label the outcome and you don't have to put faith in the outcome. You just have to surrender your heart, surrender your will to me, and trust me. And so that is what I did. I surrendered my heart to him. I surrendered my will to him. And as I did that, he was able to start transforming me on the inside and producing a faith that I needed to get through this journey. We were at some friend's house, and they didn't yet know Jesus. And we were just having a good time. This was a week before the surgery. And the surgeon had told us as well that because of where the tumor was placed, it was a high risk that I would lose my voice because of the vocal cords being wrapped around it. And I was a week away from the surgery that had these risks. And I was sitting in our friend's house and we were having dinner and we were just laughing and joking around. And about three quarters of the way into the evening, our friend said, hey, I just, just stop, just stop. I, I just need to understand something. I, I just don't get it. How are you sitting in my house a week away from this surgery for this tumor and you are laughing And you seem so at peace. What is that? But you see, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. 
It was Jesus' internal transformation now having an external impact on other people's lives. It wasn't my peace. It was a peace from God that transcends all understanding. It wasn't my joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And that is who I was living in. And that is what was at work in me. So we've got to surrender to God's will. You know, Jesus shows us the way. We see in Luke 22 that he was in absolute agony. He was in absolute agony and conflict as he was about to go down the pathway of having that gruesome, horrible death on the cross for us. And he was in agony. It was like, Jesus, he was just like, God, would you remove this cup of suffering from me that I don't have to go through this? It even says that his sweat contained great droplets of blood. That is the kind of agony and the turmoil he was in about what he was going to be doing. And then if we read further on, it says, He says to his Father in heaven, But not my will, but yours be done. Jesus shows us the way. That even in the greatest times of agony, we would even then surrender our will. When we don't understand, when we are flooded with questions, when we are scared, we would surrender our will to Jesus. Because that's when that internal transformation can take place. In Matthew 5.20, if we keep reading on, says, But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but I often hear things like, man, they are such good people, they're more Christian than most of the Christians I know. Have you guys heard that? But what Jesus is saying is that that good stuff is not enough. It's not enough. See, the Pharisees were actually very moral and upright people. They were quite legalistic and religious, yes, but they were very good people. They were moral people. But Jesus is saying, hey, that is just not what I'm after. I'm not after you living just good things. I'm not after just good morals. They're great things, but that's not just what I'm after. I'm after something more. I'm after your heart. And that is why he's saying it's not enough to live like the righteousness of the Pharisees, these moral people. I want something more. I want your heart. It becomes the essence of who we are. If we go to Galatians 5, verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. 
If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no, of no benefit to you. And all the guys breathed a sigh of relief. And that is one of the ceremonial laws I was talking about. That's why it was important. <laughs> because what Jesus is saying here is that the external change to try and be right with God is not enough. It is not enough. Verse 3, I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. He is saying, enough with all that stuff. I want your heart. And all of this whole law talk is very challenging when we don't understand the third point. So get out your pens and write this down. Jesus made it possible. Righteousness is a gift for us. Not just, not something that comes from us. It's a gift for us from Jesus. It doesn't start with who we are. You know, I'm sure God looked upon the world and, and knew this, this kingdom way of living was pretty much impossible for us humans to do alone. So he had a plan from the beginning of time. He is amazing. He knew that it wasn't going to be enough. Our own strength wasn't going to be enough. And so he planned to send Jesus to this world to live a blameless life as a human, then to go and die a horrific death, to sacrifice his life for us, to pay the price for all of our sins, everything we have ever done or will ever do, he did that for you and I, so that nothing would separate us from the love of our Father in heaven. That is God's plan. So when Jesus came to this earth, he did that so he could give us the gift of righteousness. It's not from us, it's from Jesus. And then he says in John 16, he says, you know what? I now need to leave this earth. This is when he rose again after going to the cross. I now need to leave this earth so that the Holy Spirit will come down. It will be of great benefit to you. Because Jesus was confined by his humanity and the Holy Spirit has an ability to live in every single one of us all over the world. And so he left so that the Holy Spirit could come down and fill our lives and empower us to live in this godly kingdom way. And this is the process of justification and sanctification. So justification is the moment when you receive that righteousness, that salvation from Jesus. When you ask him into your life, you receive him. And that justification is like just as if I had never sinned. He justified you. And then what, we, what happens is we go on a journey called sanctification, and that is where the Holy Spirit comes in. And he takes us, us on this process of sanctifying us, of leading us into this kingdom way, this kingdom rule. 
And so we can see that this kingdom way of life, it's not a starting point for us. It's a fruit. It's a fruit that comes from being empowered by the Spirit to continue walking this out. The process of sanctification. Because what happens is our spirit receives Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit. But it takes a little while for our body and our mind to play catch up. You've been living in a certain way, right? You've got habits. You've got tendencies. You've got things you've always done. You find Jesus. And then it's like, am I supposed to just overnight change completely? Well, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, we're so blessed by His grace that He's like, I know that it's not going to be like that for you. So I am going to empower you by my Spirit and I will take you on a journey. That is what He does for us. He empowers us. It's an inside-out kind of a transformation, which is why we need His Spirit. I love that it says in, in, this, in Matthew's Scripture that anyone who doesn't live in the ways of the laws and, 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 and doesn't do well at all in that area is called least. And you're like, why would that be a good thing, Renee? Well, it's because it doesn't say this. You're excluded. He calls you least because he's acknowledging the gap. Yeah, we've got a way to go. Cool, no worries. But you're never excluded. And I need you to understand something tonight. The enemy would like you to think that when you stuff up, you may as well give it all up. But that is not the truth of Jesus. He says that I am with you, I am for you, and I am going to journey with you until you discover what it looks like to truly live in the kingdom way. Do not be put off by stuff ups. Surrender your life again, and then surrender it again, and then surrender it again, and keep looking towards Jesus. And I can promise you that the internal transformation that is taking place will start to become an external thing in your life. Commit to the journey. Get a good godly mentor in your life. Keep coming to church. Make this your rock. Keep looking towards Jesus. Don't you give up. Don't, don't give up. I love Ezekiel 36 verse 26. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. It is what Jesus has done for us. He says, I will, I will, I will, and I will. Not you will. I will, says the Lord. That is what He is speaking over you right now. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to your struggles. Keep your eyes on Jesus because He will. He will pour His Spirit out on you and you will be empowered to live in this way. We aren't perfect, but we trust in Jesus, our perfecter. 
and He will take us on this journey. Galatians 5, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and sin, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. We are empowered for this by His Spirit. The grace that Jesus gives us doesn't give us permission just to do what we like because we can just ask God for forgiveness. That is not what He is talking about. He wants your heart. And we are empowered by His Spirit. Can the band come up? And can we all stand up? As I was preparing for this evening, I really felt like God wanted to do something quite practical in our lives. And what I'm about to take you through, I just felt like God dropped in my spirit. And I believe it's something that we could take hold of and do every morning so that we can continue going on this journey of sanctification. So I want to encourage you, we're going to do this together now, but I want to encourage you to take this out, take it home and apply it to your life. So we're going to have a bit of a quiet moment between us and Jesus. And maybe if you want to enter in this moment with your hands held outward, just to sort of be ready to posture your hearts towards Jesus and may what He may want to speak to you or put into your life. And Let's just make sure there's no distraction. Don't be distracted by anyone. I believe Jesus would speak into your heart right now so powerfully if you just kept your eyes on Him. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus yet. That's okay. He is alive and He is here. His Spirit is here and He would speak into your heart. The first thing in this moment is that Jesus calls us higher. Ask God for where He wants to lead you to today. What is He saying? Is there any sinful nature in your life that Galatians 5 is talking about? Use this time to allow God to highlight something inside of you that He wants to put His fingerprint on and help you to overcome so that you can begin to walk out what it looks like to imitate Jesus closer. So what is He saying to you? Maybe there's jealousy. Maybe there's hostility. Maybe there's anger. Maybe there's unforgiveness. 
Maybe you struggle with alcohol. Maybe you struggle with pornography. What is it that Jesus is highlighting? Maybe you judge people. And you struggle with that. It's just allow Jesus and His gentleness and grace to highlight what is in our lives that we need to consider before Him right now. of whatever that is, whatever that Jesus has highlighted to you today, what you know that needs to change in your life. And let's move on to the second step. Jesus wants your heart. Take a moment to repent and reposture your heart in that area. Surrender your will. Surrender your will to Him right now. Acknowledge that area before Him and repent. Ask for His forgiveness. Say, I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I've made of my life. I ask for Your forgiveness right now. And I repent. I turn the other way. I change my heart in that area. Just have a moment. You can say this to Jesus. made it possible. Ask for God's Spirit to empower you in that area. Just where you are, why don't you say, Holy Spirit, I acknowledge that you are real and that you are living in me. And I invite you to take hold of my life, to create in me a new heart, I seek you, Lord. You have my heart. 